0: Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles or on your device to Luke chapter number one, Luke chapter number one, Luke's gospel is so replete with the gospel message. And even in the birth of Jesus, we get the gospel. And I know that you, uh, you appreciate, uh, hearing the story that you've heard a thousand times over, but this morning I want to talk about the annunciation. We would say the announcement, but the annunciation, good news of great joy. The Annunciation, Good News of Great Joy, from Luke chapter number 1. I'll be reading verses 26 through 38 this morning. And under divine inspiration, Dr. Luke gives us these words. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. mary said to the angel how can this be since i do not know a man the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also the holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god now indeed elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your eternal, inspired, and errant word thank you for the true story of christmas and for the gospel that resonates through the entire book thank you for your marvelous and wonderful grace that brought us into your redemption story we love you lord and we give this service to you we pray your blessings upon us for it's in christ's name we pray amen Obviously, I love the retelling, the uh, recounting of the Christmas story in all three of the synoptic Gospels. You put Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, and you get all of the details that God wanted us to know about the Christmas story. But Dr. Luke gives us probably the most familiar of all of our uh, texts as it regards Christmas. From the Latin Bible, we get the the Annunciation is where that word comes from. We get the Magnificat, Mary's Song of Praise in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, and then the story of the Nativity, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. So we have these three famous uh, accounts that revolve around the circumstances of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the text that we read this morning, the Annunciation, again, our, we would say, the announcement, which is God's good news of great joy, this passage resonates with the joy that the birth of the child would bring. Now, I see some babies in this service, and I met some children, and God bless you for the young kids that are here today. I see those beautiful girls and Courtney, your kids are growing up. They're not babies anymore. But I see all of these young kids, and I know how blessed you are. And I know Pastor Wayne just loves seeing the kids running around in the building. And when there's a baby born, it brings joy to the whole family, doesn't it? The groom's side, the husband's side, the wife's side. There's just joy to the family. And if you think... The birth of a child, finding out you're going to be a parent is wonderful. I remember all three of our kids being told that, that we're going to be parents and the joy and the, and the fear that that brings Joseph, quite frankly. Um, but if you think it brings joy knowing that you're going to be a parent, wait till you get the news that you're going to be a grandparent. And I know that uh, you, you understand what it means when you're going to be a grandparent. It's just really joyful to know that you're going to be a grandparent. That brings joy to the whole family. And I know this announcement brings fear and it brings joy to this family. But more than that, it brings joy to the entire world. Now, the 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 news that I was going to be a father, the news that I was going to be a grandfather, didn't bring joy to the whole world. But the news that Jesus Christ was going to be born was good news for the whole world, not just for the family. I'll remind you what the Lord told Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, that all of the nations of the earth, not just one little family, but all of the nations of the earth would rejoice in the birth of Jesus. That's why way back in the year 1719, Isaac Watts wrote, he understood that and he wrote the famous song, joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Watts understood that not just for a family, not just for a nation, but for the whole world. Every kindred and tribe and nation could rejoice in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Annunciation was good news that brought great joy to the entire world. Let me talk about that for just a few moments this morning, if I may. Let me say, first of all, a word about the timing of God's good news. The timing of God's good news. We're told in verse 26, it's the six month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that this happens. But specifically, why now? God had made this promise to Abraham. And it had gone for centuries and centuries and centuries and even millennia before Jesus Christ finally came. Why now? As a matter of fact, it had been 400 years since God had last spoken to the world, since God had last sent any kind of message, be it through um, Gabriel or through God speaking through one of his prophets. Um, 400 years. Think about how long 400 years. It's been that long since God had spoken. To humanity. Why now? Since God had last spoken in what we know as the Old Testament, a lot has happened. When we left off the Old Testament, the Persian Empire was still strong, and it would seem like they would go on forever. But I remind you, the Persian Empire collapsed. Alexander the Great uh, rose to power and at the age of thirty-two had conquered the, the known world or the Western world, as we'd say, even part of the Eastern world into India. Uh, Alexander had had conquered the largest empire that it, that the world had ever seen, but he had died since God last spoke to the world. His empire was divided among his four generals. Since God had last spoken to the world, not only had Alexander the Great and his empire vanished or collapsed, but Rome's empire had begun and Julius Caesar had rose to power, Caesar had died, and now the Roman Empire was reaching its zenith. A lot has happened since God had last spoken. Why now? All of these events had taken place. Why now? Why did God choose this time and this environment for his son to be born? Well I will say the timing of this good news. It's no accident. But in order to answer the why now question, we need to understand the personal significance of this time. Why now? Well, there's a personal significance to this time. We're told in verse 26 that it's during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. That's why now. There's a personal reason. Mary's older cousin Elizabeth was also expecting, and both of these ladies were experiencing what we would call miracle pregnancies. Elizabeth was way too old to be a mama. And Mary was a virgin. She had never been with a man. Neither one of these women should have been, naturally speaking, pregnant. But we're told here in verse 37, with God nothing shall be impossible. But each of these women with their miracle pregnancies became the subject of curiosity and speculation. What do you think they said behind Elizabeth's back as she walked by there was whispers and giggles and laughs and people pointing at at Elizabeth too old that old woman can you believe she's pregnant they couldn't explain it but they couldn't deny it Mary on the other hand as she walked by and especially after she became showing and the word got out can you believe that woman says she's never been with a man that can't happen and it can't happen naturally Can you imagine the speculation? We know what was said about Mary. But again, I will remind you, with God, nothing is impossible, but the community did not realize that both of these women became the subject of speculation and curiosity and gossip. Why now? Because Mary would need the support of a close relative that had gone through something ahead of her. Elizabeth was able to say to Mary, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. It's tough, but you're going to get through this. Isn't it wonderful that when we're experiencing stormy or uncharted waters, it's beneficial to find support from a believer who has experienced similar challenges. Someone that can say, I know how you feel. My family, my my brother and his wife are experiencing some stormy and uncharted waters for for us, for them. And I can call him and and text them and tell them I love them and I'm praying for them. And I'm sure that's meaningful, Joseph. I'm sure that's meaningful. But I have another relative by the name of Jack. Jack's here today. Jack's my rock. Jeff told me the other day, he got a message from Jack. Jack told him, among other things, it's going to be okay. God's got this. You're you're, you're going to get through this. You see, it's important for us to reach out and to help others that are in times of discouragement or fear. Or troubled waters but when we can reach out and say I know how you feel God's got this let me tell you there's power in that that's why Paul said in 2nd Corinthians that God is above all of our tribulations he's greater than all of our tribulations and he will comfort you in your time of fear and tribulation and you know what you're to do you are to comfort others that are in any kind of trouble with the same comfort with which god has comforted you elizabeth was able to throw her arm around mary's shoulder and say mary I know how you feel, even though it's different circumstances. Elizabeth's birth was through natural means, even though she was too old to conceive. That's the miracle on her part. Mary's miracle was that she had not been with a man. But still, they could relate to one another. She could throw her arm around Mary and say, Mary, God's got this. You're going to be fine. You can rejoice because you're in the center of the will of God and you are experiencing His plan for your life. The timing of God's good news, there was a personal significance to this time. But there's also a prophetical significance to this time. God had made a lot of promises. And God is the God of truth. God is the God whose word is truth. Jesus Christ would say, I am the way. He didn't say, I tell the truth. He said, I am the truth and the life. So in the prophecies for thousands of years, God had been speaking the truth. And the Bible says in Galatians, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. You see, God had said in Genesis 22 to Abraham, through your seed, through your lineage, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed, promising the birth of Jesus. He said hundreds of years later during the life of Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God also promised to Isaiah that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God later said through Micah, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. We could go on and on and on, but God had prophesied, God had spoken, God had promised The coming of this one who would bless all of the people of the earth. Who would bring great joy through his birth. And God's word could be trusted. But no doubt through the centuries, through the hundreds of years, people would look around and say, you know, we heard that. My father talked about that. He thought Jesus would be born in his day. And his grandfather thought Jesus would be born in his day. And his grandfather thought Jesus would be born in his day. No doubt there were scoffers. But God's word could be trusted. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Made under the law. God kept his promise. God's Word can be trusted. But let me say a word about the geopolitical significance of this time. The geopolitical significance of this time. Jesus was not born during the reign of King David. Jesus was not born during the time of the first temple or during the time of the the the, uh destruction of the first temple or during the time of the second temple when it was first being uh rebuilt jesus was not born during those old times he's born now why now well there's a personal reason there's a prophetical reason but there's a a geopolitical reason as well jesus was born during a period of history that we know as pax romana p-a-x-r-o-m-a-n-a pax romana it means the peace of rome and what that, what that means and why historians call this the, the, a time of Pax Romana is because it's a time of relative peace. The, the Roman Empire was not at war. Now there were always border skirmishes and things going on on the peripheral of the, 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 of the great empire of, of Rome. But for the most part, there's no wars going on. Think about America in the 1950s. Everybody's working, the economy's booming, there's great strides in automobiles, technology, advancement, road systems. The interstates are are being thought up and, and being made. It's a great time of advancement in America and across the world, quite frankly. That's what's taking place in Rome at this time. This time that Jesus is born. This time of peace and stability that the Roman Empire brings. It's a time when roads are being built. All roads lead to Rome. You've heard of that. Well, these roads connected what was once isolated villages. Now, if Jesus would have been born during the time of of King David, uh, you know... That part of the world would have heard about it, but, but, uh, you know, hundreds of miles away. There's no roads. There's no connection points. Rome connected all of these isolated villages with these marvelous road systems. And, and some of those roads, quite frankly, are still still there today. I, I walked on Roman roads, uh, Joseph, last January with a group of pastors. Those roads are still there that the Romans built. Pax Romana, The Peace of Rome allowed for the roads to be built. It allowed for travel on the seas. The Mediterranean Sea was, was patrolled by the Roman Navy. The, the, the Hellenization or the world adopting the Greek culture meant that all of the world was at least exposed. I'm not saying the whole world spoke Koine Greek, but the whole world was exposed to it. There were people all over the world that could read and could translate koine Greek. So none of this would have happened at another period of history. So you add up the road systems, you add up uh, the the sea travel. Remember Paul? Traveled everywhere, he sailed, and he was able to take advantage of the peace of Rome that made all of this possible. And then you think about All of the world being at least familiar with Koine Greek. You add all of this up and it means that the fame of Jesus, the written accounts of his gospel would, could, and did proliferate. This could not have happened at any other point in human history. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Made of a woman, made under the law. And of course, this is all part of the plan of God the timing of the good news is critical. But so is also the telling of God's good news. Joseph, again, the, the specials all about us telling the good news of Jesus Christ. And the telling of God's good news came first in this account through the good news messenger who is none other than Gabriel himself. He is an angel of God. The name Gabriel means the mighty one. Now we're first introduced to him in this, in this section in uh, verse number 19 as he's speaking to Zechariah and Elizabeth and letting them know that they're going to have a miracle birth. Again, uh, John the Baptist's birth was naturally con- conceived, the miracle being that, that they were too old to have kids. So he tells us, as he, after, he's, after he's speaking back and forth here, verse number 19, he finally says, Look, I am, I am the angel Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He lets them know exactly who he is. He is this mighty one who speaks on behalf of God himself. Now, this is not the first time that the world has been introduced to Gabriel You might remember that back in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapters 8 and chapters 9, as Daniel is interpreting these dreams, who is it that comes to Daniel? None other than Gabriel. So I know that that Gabriel, when he went on behalf of God to Daniel in the Old Testament, that must have been exciting. And when Gabriel goes to Zechariah and Elizabeth and lets them know that in their old age, they're going to have a son, that must have been exciting for Gabriel but it pales in comparison to being sent by god the father okay gabriel go and let mary know what's happening can you imagine i don't know what what angels are like we're never going to be an angel when you die you do not turn into an angel by the way you're you're in much better uh, company than just being an angel you'll be a glorified saint of god a child of god not an angel angels will never be people people will never be angels but can you imagine how exciting it must have been for Gabriel to go down and tell Mary you're going to bear the son of God? That was the that was the the, the pinnacle of the ministry of this messenger of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 chapter uh, verse 12 that the angels desire to look into the things that God does on man's behalf angels don't understand grace they don't understand being born again because they've never experienced that they wonder at at what god does through us they marvel at what god does through us i don't know if angels can be jealous or not i'm sure they're they're not sinfully jealous but they must look at us and just marvel at what god does and when, they, when he looks at mary he marvels at what god is going to do through this young chaste woman But you know, this Christmas, God is not going to send Gabriel to your lost family members to tell them about Jesus Christ. God's not going to send Gabriel to your work to tell the people the true meaning of Christmas. God's not going to send Gabriel to be the messenger to tell your next door neighbors that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. Now, as we sang, Joseph... We're the good news messengers. We're the ones, unlike angels who haven't experienced the salvation of God, we're the ones that have actually experienced this, and we can tell firsthand. That's why we call it a testimony, because we can tell people firsthand that this little child who was born of a virgin, grew up, died on the cross for our sins, rose again the third day, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will save your soul if you'll turn to Him. We are the good news messengers. That's why Paul quoting Isaiah could say, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And you don't have to be an ordained Southern Baptist pastor to tell glad tidings of good things. All of us in in that regard are good news messengers. So what message are we to share let me say a word about the good news message if we're the messengers and like Gabriel we're to speak a message what is the message that we're to share with the world well we can look at what Gabriel shared with Mary after 400 years of silence what does God have to say the first thing he says in verse 28 is rejoice you're blessed among women and then the next thing he says in verse 30 is do not fear now that's not the message that probably we would have expected the God's message to Sodom and Gomorrah was hellfire and brimstone God's message to Mary could have been God is really fed up with how uh, sinful and rebellious you people are and he's going to judge us that could have been God's message after 400 years he would have been right wouldn't he But his message is rejoice, do not be afraid. How incredible is this message that we are to share. It is a message of love and grace. Now the love is, uh, you know, he says uh, uh, do not be afraid. The Bible tells us that there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torments. He that fears is not made perfect in love. And then he tells her, after he tells her, do not be afraid, he tells her, you have found favor with God. Now, love is God giving us what we don't deserve. Love is God giving us what we don't deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is God choosing us. Grace, on the other hand, is God not giving us what we do deserve. God's love and God's grace. Jesus Christ did not have to come to this earth to die for my sins. He didn't give me what I did deserve, which was punishment. He did give me what I didn't deserve. None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve to be in the family of God. Not even Mary as chaste and as, as, as uh, highly favored as she was. She didn't get what she deserved. Because Mary, like all of us, had sinned and fallen short of God's standard of perfection. God did not give her what she deserved. That's love. God did give her what she didn't deserve. Heaven. That's grace. Think about that. Love and grace. God doesn't give us what we deserve. God does give us what we don't deserve. God doesn't give me what I deserve. I deserve punishment and hell. God does give me what I don't deserve. He gives me heaven and be a part of his forever family. Love and grace. That's the message. That's the message that God sends to Mary. That's the message that we are to share with the world. A message of love and of grace. But it's also a message of hope. Um, um, Luke's gospel doesn't, doesn't record the angel speaking to Joseph, but Matthew's gospel does. And in Matthew's gospel, he tells Joseph that your wife Mary is going to conceive a child of the Holy Spirit. She shall bring forth a son, She shall call his name Jesus. And this is what Gabriel tells Joseph. Jesus shall save his people from their sins. It's a message of love and grace. It's a message of hope and salvation. It's a message of love and grace. It's a message of hope and salvation. He shall save his people from their sins. The, the message of the gospel, is, it's really simple. Yes, God loves us. The Bible tells us that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes, God loves us, but despite the fact that God loves us, we have all sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of the standard of perfection that God requires, the standard of holiness, the standard of righteousness. We fall short because we've sinned. All we like sheep have gone astray, our our good works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. And no amount of good deeds that we can do can make up for the fact that we have sinned and violated God's standard of perfection and disqualified ourselves from heaven. Sinful people can't just waltz into heaven because we did some good things in our life. We're still sinners. God can't allow sin into his presence. God loves us. We've sinned. Our sin separates us from God. And no amount of good things that we do can make up for the fact that that we have violated God's standards. Ah, church, but the gospel means good news of glad tidings. The good news is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, lived a sinless uh, life, and He died on the cross for my sins. All of the wrath and all of the punishment that God was going to give me, that I deserved, by the way, All of that punishment, Jesus took it upon himself when he died on the cross. Joseph, he died and took your place. He died and took my place. I deserved punishment. I deserved hell for what I've done. Jesus said, I'll take his punishment. I'll take his hell. I'll take all the wrath that you have and I'll take it upon myself. That's what the cross was. It's Jesus Christ paying the price for the sins of anyone who'll turn to him. And the Bible says that if we will repent of our sins that is uh, sins uh, promise to be satisfying sin promises to uh, to be gratifying and joyful but it's not and when we say the same thing about sin that god says about it that it hurts us it harms us uh, it destroys us it kills us uh, and even the sin of thinking i can get to heaven on my own probably the worst sin because we don't think we need jesus we deny jesus But when we turn from our sin and we say the same thing about our sin that God says about it and we turn to Jesus Christ alone and we say, Lord, you are my Savior. You are the one that that paid the price for my sins. You are my Lord and my Master forever. And the Bible said that if we'll confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. It's good news. And that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the good news. That's the message that we're to share with the world. The good news that even though we've sinned and separated ourselves from God, Jesus Christ can save us from our sins. That is the good news message that we're to share. Let me close by saying a word about the good news miracle the reason that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is meaningful and, and can save us is because Jesus Christ was a man. He was fully man. There's no doubt about that. He ate and he slept and he got weary. Uh, he got frustrated. Uh, all, he didn't sin, but, but all of the emotions that we've been through. By the way, Jesus can, can look at us and say, I know how you feel, because he, he was tempted. He didn't sin, but he can say, I know how you feel to us, because he was 100% man. But man can't save us. Jesus was also 100% God. God can save us. H- how is that possible, that he could be God and he could be man at the same time? Well, it's possible through the virgin birth, and that is the good news miracle miracle. The good news of America, we're told in verse 27, verses 34 through 38, that that Mary was a virgin. She, she, She had never had relations with a man, which means physically, naturally, without God, it would be impossible for that to happen. But with God, all things are possible. So Mary's purity is is spelled out there. But Mary's power source is seen in verse 35. It's the Lord himself overshadowed her, the Bible said. The the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her and allowed this to happen. She experienced the power of the Almighty. By the way, we must experience the power of the Almighty. Jesus Christ was formed in her physically and grew in her physically physically. Spiritually speaking, we must be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and uh, Paul even uses that terminology that, that, that Christ is formed in you. It it's sort of uh, hails back to this. Now, it's not physically in us, but spiritually, through faith, Jesus Christ can be formed in us. And even as the the child grew physically in uh, in the womb of Mary, Jesus is to grow in us. And and every day we're to look more like Jesus. The Bible calls that sanctification. We're saved all at once, but then we grow to look more like Jesus over the years as he grows in us and as Christ is formed in us. Isn't that a wonderful concept? Mary's purpose is seen in verse number 35 is to bear the God-man, Jesus Christ, Uh, Mary, as I mentioned, wonderful woman, highly favored. Her name is Blessed. She'll always be mentioned as the blessed uh, woman that gave birth, the mother that gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. But she was a human. She was not perfect. After the birth of Jesus, she had a very natural relationship with Joseph. And she had other children the very natural way. So she's, she's just a, a human being. She needed a savior. Just so happened she gave birth to that savior. That was her purpose, was to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I close with this promise that Mary made. And I hope we can all make the same promise. Verse 38. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That's the promise she made to God. She said, now now I realize I'm going to go through some, some dark troubled waters and some uncharted territory. I realize people are going to laugh at me, misunderstand me, misquote me, mock me. But Lord, I'm yours. You do with me whatever you want. Wow. What a promise. No wonder she's highly favored. No wonder she's blessed, called blessed. But that's a promise that each one of us should make. God, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. People are going to mock me and laugh at me and say all manner of things behind my back and snicker when I walk by and point at me. But that's okay. Lord, I'm yours. Do with me whatever you will. We see the timing of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was no accident. It was well planned, wasn't it? By the sovereignty of Almighty God. Your presence here today, or perhaps uh, seeing us online, it's no accident. You are witnessing and, and, and seeing the celebration of worship. And it's all part of the plan of God. God has you here for one of a couple of reasons maybe to commit your heart and life to jesus christ to turn from your sins and confess that jesus is lord and place your faith in him or maybe your purpose for being here today is to to commit or to recommit your heart and life to jesus christ or maybe as a believer it's simply to celebrate the arrival of the lord jesus christ with joy and worship The telling of the good news is no longer the job of Gabriel or Mary or Joseph or Elizabeth or Zechariah. It's now our job. We are God's good news messengers. To whom will you share the message? The Annunciation was good news that brought great joy to the entire world. And because of that, Joseph, we can sing joy to the Lord, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Would you bow your head with me in prayer?